0: UMGoBlue.com, by fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast, By the Numbers. This is Phil Callahan with...
1: Clint Derringer.
0: Well, Clint, what would you think of that game this week?
1: You know, I, uh, I, I had some family over to the house who we were watching the, uh, the game together at the same time as celebrating my son Bo's uh, third birthday i wasn't able to kind of dig into the detail uh at first glance the way that i wanted to and i was certainly frustrated with uh zero zero score at the end of the first and uh you know needing a pick six uh as time expired in the first half to have a comfortable lead against what i thought was an even lesser opponent um than the week before against western so i i was frustrated the first time through but uh to how I felt after the Notre Dame game in terms of being comforted by the statistics and seeing that I think, uh, I think it makes sense when, when we dig into the numbers and, and look at what, what actually happened.
0: Well, I will tell you I had a similar situation. I wasn't able to watch the game live uh, this week. I, I, w- I was traveling for work, and uh, so I was in Seattle. So between the time change and running around town, I was only seeing sporadic updates. And it's funny because I was getting updates from people who were who were pretty frustrated with how the game was going. And then I'd check in and, and I could definitely understand. Um, so that's our initial impression. How did things break out when you looked at the numbers?
1: Uh, the, the first thing that really stood out um, and I think was a huge source of, of all of our frustration in the third quarter, at least, was, was the penalties. Um, I pretty well documented at this point via the media that Michigan's got a penalty problem, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They're giving up first downs on key plays uh, because of penalties. Um, And like I said originally, I I think there's a certain amount of randomness to that. right? The the skill level of the referees or whether they call it tight or or kind of let the players play, so to speak, Uh, we can't control that. So I, I lump turnovers and penalties together Statistically, because obviously they matter, but it's it's a little bit random in terms of how much you can control that. With with that being said, uh, Harbaugh mentioned in his press conferences this week that he he wants to focus on both discipline and and clean execution uh, to try to reduce the number of penalties. So that's something that I think we need to keep an eye on going forward. Um, In terms of execution on both sides of the ball, uh, we saw remarkably uh, similar um, defensive performance. Uh, when I looked at the efficiency numbers for the first three weeks, we're talking within one to two percentage points as far as what, what we're holding uh, offenses to in terms of success rate. Notre Dame was 34.3%, Western 32.4, and SMU 32.3. So low 30 percentages in terms of success rate performance-wise for the defense are very, very similar. Where things change is uh, explosiveness. So obviously Notre Dame early on, especially in the first quarter, had those explosive plays that ended up really being the difference, and uh, Western was not able to make those explosive plays. Their successful plays um, were, were really between 8 and, and 15 yards of, of offense And then SMU, we saw another regression that the explosiveness uh, returned. We had the blown coverage for a 50-yard touchdown and some other passing plays that all were um, in the double-digit yardages, uh, especially over the middle. So all of that being said, uh, it it wrapped up to the defense moving down one spot in the S&P rankings. Um, They're down. They're still in the top ten. Overall, for the uh, for the team, went from number nine to number ten, and uh, the offense actually moved up. They're they're at thirty eighth right now. So after starting forty fifth in the nation on offense, they're at thirty eighth, and uh, I still think that we've got some gains ahead of us in terms of moving uh, in the positive direction along the learning curve.
0: One thing that uh, Harbaugh talked about in his press conference is trying to get a clarification on a number of penalties specifically the the helmet to helmet Uh, and you know the question I'd like to ask you and I don't know if this is shown in the numbers or not but you know having watched a lot of football um, we're seeing you know there there are debatable penalties and then there are I want to call cheap penalties penalties that it seems like you really don't you know, there's no justification for it. You shouldn't be doing them. And I'm wondering, do you think that the Michigan defense is getting a reputation of, you know, are the number of penalties called on the Michigan defense a factor of that, uh, that they're considered dirty or that, they're, or that they take liberties? Or do you think that this is just kind of rough officiating that we see early in the season by, by referees still getting their, trying to find their feet?
1: That's a really great question, Phil, and I've heard you talk a couple times about um, this reputation concept um, for for taking cheap shots or playing past the whistle or or however you want to say it. Um, So My answer is somewhat somewhat on both sides of this. I I do think that Michigan specifically is going to get more penalty calls than the average team, and the reason that I think that is because of their hyper-aggressive mantra on the defensive side of the ball right we we all know famously don brown uh likes to solve his his problems with aggression and that invariably is going to lead to uh aggressive uh play and, and and some some extra penalties uh at least more than average additionally i think our our defensive backs are a little bit handsy um and again i think that's by design and i think uh I think the coaching staff would take uh, a penalty here and there in order to be able to get big stops in big spots um, by, by being able to kind of let them play uh, when it matters most. So I think by design on defense, uh, Michigan's going to draw a lot of penalties. Um, where it doesn't seem to even out, and I think that it should, is obviously our, our two defensive ends are both NFL caliber Defensive ends—they're being held a whole lot more often than it gets called. So um, that—that's where I think the randomness comes in. If, if you're going to be ticky-tack on the way that uh, the way that Michigan's playing between the whistles, like that that targeting call, I think was, um, then I, I think we we, should, we could probably pick up a few more holding calls um, to to really set the tone for how. You're going to let those offensive tackles block Winovich and and Gary. Um, so I, I don't think that it's reputation of being cheap or, or something that is kind of morally reprehensible like that. Um, but I do think the reputation that that permeates is aggression. So so we know that they are they're going to be flying to the ball and they're going to be hitting um, all the way to the whistle, and and that they're going to play all the way. Or, they're going to extend their physicality um, to the fullest extent of the rules, and we know that. So I, I think your feeling is well justified, um, but everything will work out, especially if uh, there's a few more holding calls, especially in big spots that we see through the rest of the season.
0: Well, I think that's a good point. And, and I guess the flip side of that is if, if the ejections and penalties – called against the defense are random. I'm wondering if the lack of holding is almost a leveling that you see by officials where, and and, and I think this is pretty common, when one team overmatches another team, and I'm thinking specifically about Western and SMU, that you'll um, let the, I think there's a tendency for officials to let inferior teams get away with a little more, and I think that's definitely the case on the holding. Um, you know, when I go through the game photos and and I think specifically uh, back to the to the Notre Dame game, there were some of the most egregious holding that that I had ever seen um in that first quarter. And, you know, defenders need to be able to play through that. I think that's something that they that they you know they have techniques to break and they get used to. But I, I'm wondering if the if the Michigan defensive line is so good that uh officials uh, kind of look the other way or aren't, aren't as aggressive in calling holding. Um, you know, and, and it's not a question of whether it's fair or not. It's just the reality of, of you know, you kind of see this, I think especially in the collegiate game where, um, you know, officials want to let them play, quote-unquote. But but that's why I think it's – that's why I'm kind of concerned about the number of defensive penalties and specifically ejections that we've had so far. Um, I really hope that that, that, that trails off um, – it will be interesting to see how that compares nationally to those penalties being called. And I don't think we have enough of a sample yet. We'll, we'll probably have a really good sample on penalties uh, about, you know, I'd say about a third or a halfway through the season is when I like to, to look at that stuff. Um, the interesting thing for me now is that we do have a quarter of the season done statistically for Michigan. And I have to say, as disappointed as I am by that Notre Dame loss, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about how the offense looks so far. Um, of course, I mean, not super happy how it took a little little bit to get going uh, against SMU, but, you know, my impression of that was, you know, you had the big home opener the week before, you had the big win, and this was kind of a, a little bit of a letdown. Um, I mean, you had the thing where Higdon didn't start the game, you know, didn't play, and um, I'm convinced that if, if this was a, a larger game that was more in doubt, you know, against a rival, that he probably would have made a go at it. Um, you know, my concern is we went from, you know, a a, a bevy of riches at running back, you know, the, the game before, um, where we had Evans and Higdon both running, you know, having really big games. And you have Higdon out and Evans going out late. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out over the next game. Um, what are your thoughts on the offense so far, Clint?
1: Um been clear from the very start and, and has maintained through the first three weeks <clears throat> Excuse me, that uh, efficiency, uh, in terms of the metrics that roll into the S&P Plus, efficiency is what Michigan wants to hang its hat on. It wants to be successful on all three downs, first, second, and third, um, and in high leverage situations they want to be explosive. So, so they want to be able to run the ball and pass the ball with some balance early in the early downs. Um, but they want to make sure that they stay in front of the chains. And, and just a quick reminder, when we say efficiency uh, and success or not success on a play, for, for first down plays, you're looking to get 50% of the yards needed or more. So typical first and 10, you're looking to get five plus. On second down, you're looking to get in just to, to 70%. So the way that I take that is if you if it's second and three and you get two of the three yards, then I would call that not successful because that's 67%. Um, I think some people wonder whether it's 70% cumulative and would call that successful. But I judge each play individually on the down and what the distance is needed. So uh, 70% of the yards needed on second down, and then for third and fourth down, you got to get 100% of what's needed, uh, regardless of what that distance is. So that's what uh, we're using for a metric. And staying on that schedule... Is, is clearly the center of what Michigan wants to accomplish. Um, they've been successful all three weeks um, in terms of success rate. They were more, uh, they had a higher success rate than Notre Dame, and they've been over 50% against both Western and SMU. So uh, it's been encouraging that they are executing what they want to execute. I still think there's more. Um, I think we've got a few gears still that we haven't seen, but, um, Some of the players kind of alluded to uh, big portions of the playbook that haven't even come out yet. Of course, that makes a lot of sense. In the non-conference, you're not going to put anything on film that you don't really need to. Um, So I think that we've got a couple gears um, that we haven't really even gotten to yet that we'll see. Uh, It's been very, very encouraging to see some accuracy, again, to all six portions of the field, deep and short, left, middle, and, and right from Shay Patterson. So I, I really like where we're at. I think that the, we're going to see some growth through these next few weeks as we get into the Big Ten season. And I'm pleasantly surprised with uh, the explosiveness metric and, and not surprised but, but adequately uh, um, happy with, with what we're doing in terms of staying in front of the chains. Uh, the biggest question still um that that it remains unanswered is whether we will be able to still move the ball on the ground and protect the passer once we get a a solid defensive front uh and i'm not sure which game on the schedule is the one that we circle to say okay if we can beat that defensive front um then then we know we've got something but there's going to be a key test coming up here um for the offensive line that we're going to have to circle that date and really look at it analytically.
0: All right. Well, I think that does it for this edition of the UM go by the numbers podcast. This is Phil Callahan with
1: Clint Derringer.
0: Go blue. Thank you for listening to the UM go podcast. All rights reserved search for Um, UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.